Hello and welcome to season four of the Bible and Me podcast. This is episode 11 of 12 in this series. So join us on this journey as we discover some incredible testimonies of people whose lives have been well and truly changed for the calling of God. In this episode, Nigel Watts sits down with Simon Redmill, leader of Grace Church in Salisbury and Amesbury. Spending regular time in his word, Simon explains the benefits of mixing up his ways of studying to keep his mind focused on his reading. He also talks on the importance of reading the Bible daily. The views expressed by the individual in this podcast may not reflect that of Precept Ministries UK. We hope this podcast inspires you in your daily walk and would love it if you could leave a review or rating so that we can encourage more people to the good news of the gospel. Now, without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, welcome to the Precept Ministries UK Bible and Me podcast, uh, where we are chatting with inspiring men and women of God about how they became a Christian, their journey of faith, and how the Word of God has impacted their lives. And I'm really delighted uh, today to welcome Simon Redmill with us. Simon, thank you so much for coming in today. Pleasure. Uh, Simon is the leader of Grace Church in Salisbury and now in Amesbury. Um, He describes himself as follower of Jesus, husband of lovely wife Sam, a dad to three great kids. Um, Also, you're a keen sportsman. I believe you you like playing football and watching football. Yeah. And uh, a bit of cycling. Yeah. And also the occasional game of tennis. Indeed. And uh, you have a huge heart for the Lord. And I know the Lord is blessing the work that you're doing here. Uh, You're recently back from Ghana. And, uh, and looking at your Facebook post, that looked to be an amazing trip as well. Yeah, absolutely. So welcome, and thank you so much for being with us. So, first question, how did you, how did you become a Christian, Simon? Did you grow up in a Christian house, or how, how did that all happen? Yeah, I did, actually. I had the privilege of uh, being brought up in a Christian home. Uh, Mum and Dad uh, loved the Lord, uh, as did my older sister. And, uh, in fact, Dad pastored a church and uh, which in and of itself was interested. I, I never thought I would end up leading the church and following my dad's footsteps. Uh, but I grew up in the church. Mum and dad uh, were, were good parents, loved the Lord. And uh, I actually made a commitment to follow Jesus when I was seven. And uh, I believe it was a genuine commitment. Uh, I, I loved the Lord and uh, knew that I wanted to follow him and uh, knew that even as a seven-year-old I I wasn't perfect and needed my sin forgiven Mm. and so I asked Jesus to be my Lord and and my saviour and uh, from there I I grew up in the Christian home but I guess my foundations didn't go as deep as they could have done and I often describe it as though I was piggybacking my mum and dad's faith and uh, so I went went to university and kind of went off and and did my own things (laughs) rather than God's things uh, and then there came a point in my early 20s where I was in this uncomfortable position of really knowing that God was real, but, but not following him. And that's not a nice place to, to be in. And I thought, I've, I need to decide one way or the other. Either God is real, in which case I follow him wholeheartedly, mm. or he's not real, in which case I ignore the whole thing. And by God's grace, uh, long story, but by God's grace, uh, he overwhelmed me by his grace and I recommitted my life to the Lord in my early 20s post-university and um, just been ever so grateful for, for what the Lord's done in my life since. Really? Were there, were there you say it's, it's a sort of, a, it's a long story, but were there 
so you you were challenged to take the claims of Christ seriously, I guess is what you're saying, to, to either believe it or not believe it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was caught, and I guess some people who are listening to this may relate to this, I didn't have a full grasp of the gospel. And so I, I wasn't relying completely on what Christ had done for me. I was relying largely on my own performance. And so I got into this vicious circle of trying hard, mucking up, feeling condemned, <laughs> trying even harder and going round in that vicious circle, uh, uh, really, which is the law. And, and in my early 20s, I was just bowled over by the grace of God, mm. that Christ would die for me. He knew what I was going to be like. He knew what I'd done. And yet he chose to die for me. And actually, it was, it's his performance, not my performance that I need to rely on. And actually, as he changed my heart, he gave me the motivations to want to follow him, love him, pursue him out of a, a love for him rather than trying to prove myself before God. So that mm. condemnation mm. towards grace mm. uh, was just a massive change in, in my heart, in my life, in my thinking, mm. and um, which, which was amazing. And, that, and that's only God's grace that can do that. Amazing. Mm. I mean, there may be some people listening who, who are growing up in a, in a Christian household mm. um, and they may be listening to this thinking well actually um, you know I've either got children in this situation yeah. and you know I'm bringing them up in the love and fear and admonition of the Lord mm. um, or there may be some some younger people who are listening to this mm. um, I mean what would you mm. what would you say either to the parents mm. with kids in the situation or to, or to the people that are growing up and from you know looking back yeah on this because i'm sure it's a very common common yeah. situation well sure i guess in terms of parenting i'm still working this stuff out <laughs> uh, we've got three children uh, ranging from 16 down to eight so we're still very much a, a work in progress but what we try and do with our children is we want to talk about jesus yeah. we want to talk about the gospel we want to talk about what he's done uh, and we want to uh, help our kids believe before they behave i think that's the later on no doubt we'll we talk about books in the bible but if mm. you look at the the letters that paul wrote it's always belief first mm. and then this is who god is this is who you are in christ mm. and then flowing from that this is how you behave mm. and sometimes in christian circles we can get the behavior first mm. so we try and do that we do it imperfectly but we try and help our children to believe first and so for me and i guess for other people that may be struggling with this it's looking at the beliefs first. It's looking at what Christ has done mm. rather than focusing on our behaviour first because that behaviour will flow once we've got a good grasp of, of the gospel and what he's done. And um, mm. I guess I had a quote which I found ever so helpful from a guy called CJ Mahaney who said, um, for every one look we have a look at ourselves, we have ten looks at the cross. And, and I think that's right. I think it's good to examine ourselves, but I think it's good to look at the cross and what he's done. Mm. And um, so I, I guess uh, for what it's worth, that would be mine. Mm. And how, I mean, in practically speaking, how do you how do you go about that with your kids? Obviously they're at school, they're, they're yeah. busy, and, yeah. and obviously I guess they're coming to the church that you lead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, first and foremost, that they see the faith that myself and my wife live out, which yeah. uh, we're... Uh, and we tell them we're a work in progress. God's still working in our heart and, and we try. 
and, and be quick to say sorry and repent to them when we need to so we don't try and pretend we're perfect mm-hmm. we talk to them about how we need the gospel just as much as they do um, yeah. but I often say particularly to my my youngest now he's eight and even before he leaves school I said Gideon you'll need to know two things today you'll need to know God loves you and I love you <laughs> and I want them to know that they're unconditionally loved mm-hmm. by their father and by me mm-hmm. uh, so uh, and then, you know, we, we would read the Bible to them. We've got a great kids' Bible, uh, which is gospel-centred, uh, in other words, Jesus-centred, rather than just about morality. Um, and so I think that helps. Uh, hopefully being, being in a good, uh, a thriving church helps them as well. Um, and we pray. And we pray regularly for our children that they would follow the Lord. <laughs> I was going to say that. And, that's and, so important, isn't it? And, and we trust God yeah. in our imperfections that he is good and he is faithful. Uh, and we, we give them to the Lord. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. And, and obviously, there's a key time when they, when they grow up. You know, I have three sons, so I'm, I'm aware of this. And, um, you know, when they, when they, if, if and when they go to uni, and, and that's a whole different thing. You talked about going off to university yourself. Mm. And um, I think uh, that is a challenging time for young people because they're no longer in the sort of clutches of parents. They're meeting mm. people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different understandings, different beliefs. Mm. And so I guess uh, the firmer they are rooted in their faith for themselves, not living it through us, then the better. Mm. But I think prayer is so important, isn't it? It, it is. It really is. And I guess the other thing we try and do as parents is we try and talk to others that are a bit further ahead. I would mean, you know, I've had conversations because your kids are older about bringing up kids. And uh, mm. I remember you said to me once about how you write letters to your children, which mm. has stuck, stuck with me. So mm. we try and learn from others. Mm. And um, yeah, but I, I guess, and, and, and we're a couple of years away from university, our eldest going to university. Um, and, but ultimately we need to trust them to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, talking about university, you went to Leicester University yourself. Yeah, that's uh, right. You read history. That's right. And, uh, and then, uh, having done that, you worked for different employers, um, Market Research Agency and um, Yellow Pages and, and others. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and uh, how you lived as a Christian in the sort of secular world. Yeah, yeah. I actually really enjoyed that. I enjoyed all the jobs I did actually post university. Uh, had enjoyable work, stimulating work. Worked with good colleagues, uh, and I, I guess my my witness was one. I guess of, of trying to be a good example. Uh, trying. What I had noticed is that some Christians would be just hugely aloof from their work colleagues, and and in. in in an aim to be holy and separate, they completely separated themselves, which I'm not sure is what we're called to do. So I tried to, you know, join in and play football and, you know, the other things that people would do. Um, and then just try and be wise about things. If there was a leaving do or a social do, you know, you may stay for dinner and but about 11 o'clock, things are getting a bit rowdy. You think, okay, now's the time to drift off. So I tried to get the balance and uh, you know talk about my weekends talk about church talk about my faith mm. and um and, and i enjoyed that to be honest obviously i, I now leading the church i don't have that and I, and I miss it to be honest i miss that day-to-day interaction with with people who as yet don't know yeah. jesus yeah. Yeah. um so if you're in that position i would say embrace it uh, i think it's a privileged position to be in 
to be able to, to be able to witness and show people that there's another way of living and a good way of living. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe, and, and that is a great point you raised there about you know, we can be in a Christian bubble, can't we? And, and we're not mm. actually we're not actually meeting people yeah. or, or mixing with people who don't have that faith. And so, um, maybe what what advice would you give to people who find themselves in that situation where you know, in a sense, they're they're happy going to church or their friends are Christians and and actually um, how yeah, what would you say to them about trying to reach out to others yeah. with the news of the gospel? Yeah, well, I certainly wouldn't consider myself an expert, but I guess first and foremost, again, we need to understand the Bible. One of the big stories of the Bible is that we're on a mission. And there is a world that desperately needs to know Jesus Christ. And we're the answer. Like it or not, the church <laughs> is the answer. And um, so we need to have a theological conviction of that because, again, our, our behaviour flows from our beliefs. So I think that's the first thing. Second thing, I think we need to be quite proactive. I think praying each day, Lord, give me opportunities, help me be friendly, those sort of things. Um, but I think also it's looking at what, how we spend our time. You know, recently I've started to play five-a-side football uh, on a Monday night. Uh, with mostly non-Christians because I want to deliberately put myself in a place where I can get to know non-Christians. Now, I'm obviously working a church office where they're all Christians, so I have to be maybe more proactive than most. But I think um, how we eat, you know, inviting people around, neighbours around, just being proactive. Mm -hmm. Again, maybe getting alongside other people that are particularly evangelistic, catch something of their heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think maybe lastly, I think, the local church is the evangelistic vehicle that that God has called us to be part of. Mm. Actually, serving, giving yourself in the local church uh, is also a hugely evangelistic uh, way of using your time. Yeah, I think you know um, we see Jesus, don't we? In the Gospels often having meals with people. You know, a lot mm. of ministry done around meals. And I think one of the things perhaps we can. You know, just ask the neighbours around for a yeah. meal. You know, we we've got neighbours that have just moved in next door, and um, we we need to get them around and just just you know not not to sort of convict them about whether they're a believer or not but just get to know them and, and then out of maybe that that genuine friendship and then the lord can can give us opportunities can't he to, yeah. to be a witness um, very good Peter, very good i think god can and does save people almost out of nowhere i think that can happen but i think more often than not it's a journey for people and often that journey a key part is knowing Christians and friendships. So I think that's that's we can we can um, talk about all different types of strategies, but really it's about loving people and being friends with people yeah. and sharing your life and sharing your faith naturally as it comes up. Yeah. I think. Yeah, loving God and loving loving others. Yeah. The, the great great um, commandment and the great commission. Brilliant. So. So you, you left uni, you then were doing these various jobs, uh, and now you're running a church. I mean, how did, how did it happen that you were working for companies to where you are now? What, what was that journey? How was God working in your life to move your mind and your heart to even consider going into full-time um, mission work leading a church how did what did god do and how did you respond to his leading yeah no sure i i guess god had been working in my heart for many years and um i guess from my early 20s when i recommitted myself to god uh i had a had a passion for the local church so the family churches that we're part of new frontiers would teach very strongly into the local church Uh, so i had a passion for that Uh, out of that grew a passion for church planting starting new churches 
um, in new areas. And we were part of a church in Bournemouth, very happy, serving God, married there, um, leading a small group. Um, and I guess going on in the background, I had, a, I guess, a, a small kind of emerging leadership gift, whether that was in sports teams or in the church context. So that was kind of going on. And I think that leadership gift and a love for the church and a love for church planting kind of combined. And so when we moved from Bournemouth to Salisbury to plant a church here in Salisbury, we essentially said to those that were, that were leading the church, we will come and we will serve and we will put out the chairs. And if you want us to lead a small group, we will do so. So no career plan, you know, no thinking that I'd ever end up leading this thing. And I think God just shows you the next step. And I think he's looking for servant heartedness. Uh, ultimately, Jesus was a servant leader. And so we did that. And, and over time, I was asked to do a couple of days training per week which I did down in Bournemouth, did some theological training, which then turned into a full-time training course. And it kind of just developed from there and um, and just, I guess, took on responsibility in the local church. So there was no career plan. There was no 10-year you know, vision as to where my life was going to go. It was just kind of serving God with these passions of leadership and of, of church planting. And it kind of evolved and, and developed from there, really. And I guess as I started to do some things, preach and lead, I guess there was an element of fruitfulness in that. And um, so, yeah, that, that was the journey, really. It was just trying to be faithful to God step by step. And, and your work, your, your secular work, um, so I guess there was a, a transition point where you had to say to yeah. your boss or bosses, you say, you know what, yeah. I need to tell you about what's going on in my yes. life. Yes, and, and again, I saw God's provision in there. I was working down in Bournemouth and uh, was leading a team, but I wanted to do two days for the church and just three days for this company, which is tricky when you're leading a team and what happens on those two days. And so I kind of prayerfully and somewhat nervously approached my boss. This is what we're thinking of doing, starting a new church. I'd love to do two days a week with them. And uh, amazingly, he said yes. And uh, not only that, they their company had a charitable pot. This is a secular company that had a charitable pot. And they said, we will give you £5,000 to go towards the start of the church. So it was more than we could ask or imagine, amazing. So I did two days for them. Then I did a couple of years full-time training with the church. Uh, then the money ran out, and so I went back into secular work, which again I enjoyed. I worked for Yellow Pages, and I started off doing five days, then I did four and one, three and two. So it was a little bit like it says in the New Testament, Paul made tents. And so I did that, I was very happy to do that. Uh, but in the last, I guess, seven years, I've been full-time for the church and just been able to focus on that. Amazing. Uh, but I'm glad I've had that experience, because mm. I know what it's like, I know what it's like to commute, get the train to Reading, buy Basingstoke, quarter past seven in the morning. I, I know all of that, and so I can empathise with people who are busy, uh, and so I'm grateful, grateful for those yeah. for those times. And also, learned, you talk about you ran out of money, and you know, I mean, that's a whole challenging situation as well. Mm. You know, you're a Christian, you think, okay, Lord, I'm following you, why am I running out of money here? And yeah. you know, that is a challenge, uh, and particularly in the economy that we've had in the last number of years in this country, it, it is a struggle. Yeah. People do have struggle with financial struggles, don't they? Mm. Um, yeah, I, th I, think, I think that's right. And I think what I've learned is to, in terms of ministry, I think I, I, I've learned to be very grateful for what God has opened up at the same time to hold it lightly. So those two years that I was full-time for the church, 
uh, I was holding that fairly lightly. So there was a season where that worked and then there was a season where I needed to go back into secular employment because in effect the, the church couldn't afford to pay me in the way that they, they did then. Um, and I think that's part of it. I think particularly if you're pioneering a new work, you need to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, I've seen it too often. I've seen that ministry can become an idol. Actually, we're here to serve Jesus and the ministry is, is the vehicle, whether that's full-time, part-time, whatever, that needs to be secondary to, to what God's actually doing and, mm-hmm. and calling us to. So so that, that's my journey. And um, Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. So, so you're now leading... Um, Grace Community Church here in Salisbury. Um, what are some of the struggles that um, you have had with that? Um, you know, we all have struggles in life, and um, some of the difficulties and, and yeah, the issues that that you have found, or whether for yourself, mm. um, what are some of those issues that maybe others can relate to yeah, in your no, position? For sure, um, it's it's a privilege to to lead Grace Church. Um, at the same time, leadership itself has has its challenges. By definition, you are you're leading, you're out in front, and so therefore you can sometimes feel vulnerable. Uh, you take big decisions. Not everyone necessarily agrees with those decisions. So I think in leadership, one of the things I've really had to to nail, uh, and I guess is still a work in progress, is that I'm called to please God, not to please man. That's that's a big one because you can't please everyone all the time. <laughs> that's the reality. I'm called to follow God and to please him. So so I guess that's one challenge. And um, there's a quote by D.L. Moody, which says, I've had more trouble with D.L. Moody than any other person alive. <laughs> and and I guess I can relate to that. I had more trouble with Simon Redmill than any person alive. So, so leading myself, making sure I'm close to the Lord in the busyness and the stress of leadership and decision making and the mission ensuring that I'm walking well with the Lord and that time isn't getting squeezed and that's a that's a constant challenge I think in the busyness of life of family life um, so yeah I say that's probably my I just have to keep reminding myself now this is any fruitfulness that comes from me is because I'm abiding in him like it talks about in John yeah. so um and you think, well, that's pretty obvious, but it is obvious. But in the pressure of life, you have to keep just reminding yourself that that, that is the reality. You reminded me of that wonderful verse in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, which says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty well what you were just saying, there, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think nailing that one is just incredibly important. You know, there's an audience of one. Now, you want to listen to others, take people's counsel, but ultimately to be obedient to God. It's actually hearing him from his word, so what's he saying, and then trying to obey and follow that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's going on in your church at the moment? What sort of things are you up to there? Right, well, um, yeah, always lots going on at Christ, uh, at Grace Church. So we are, um, recently we've started a new congregation in Amesbury. So that's quite exciting. So we are now what is sometimes called a, a multi-site church. So essentially one church, but across two locations. So same vision, same doctrine, same leadership team, but now spread over two, uh, one in Salisbury and one in Amesbury. So we've been running monthly meetings in Amesbury for the last few months, which have 
gone well. Uh, just known God's favour, about 100 people that gather there. And then in mid-September, we're going to have weekly meetings there. So every week, uh, there'll be uh, 10 o'clock in Amesbury, 11 o'clock in, in Salisbury, two Grace Church meetings going on. So essentially every Sunday, we're putting out two nets uh, and trusting God that we will be fishers of men and we will see people come in and have Jesus change their lives. Um, so that's, that's ever so exciting for us. It means new people have been released into leadership. It means new people have come into the church and um, not without its challenges uh, in terms of just filling teams and rotors and those sorts of things. But that's ever so exciting for us. And uh, we, it's been good for us as a church that's been around now for 14 years to take another step of faith, mm -hmm. to believe God for this. Uh, we feel he's spoken very clearly to us. And um, so we're excited about what the Lord's going to do yeah. in these next next few months. Brilliant. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I'd like to talk to you now about the place of the Bible in mm. your journey. Obviously, mm. you're, you're, you're obviously, you know, you're preaching lots. Um, mm. But um, how important is the Bible to you and why is that so? And we'll, we'll, have some, we'll explore some other questions around that, but that's the sort of first one that I want to ask you. So how important is the Bible and why, why is it so important? Mm. I mean, I think it's amazing that we worship a God who's revealed himself. And he's revealed himself in creation and in one another. But first and foremost, he's, he's revealed himself in, in Jesus and through his word, uh, through the Bible. And so... I want to know who God is. I want to know what he's like. I want to know his character. I want to know what what uh, he likes and what he dislikes. And, and so I, where do I get that from? I, I get that from the Bible. And um, also, I guess, I don't, I don't trust myself and my wisdom to make a good hash of my life. I need help. And uh, God's given me that help in his word. And so uh, that's why I want to read it and study it and preach it and... Uh, base the church on, on what he has revealed in his word um, and I think we're in a, an incredibly privileged times you know I've got countless versions of the bible in my house I can turn on my phone and have 40 different translations of the bible we live in incredibly we've got material we've got commentaries we've got you know what you guys do with precepts it's, we are incredibly privileged um, so yeah. Fantastic. How do, you, how do you go about studying the Bible yourself? Uh, maybe some of the helps that you've discovered along the way. There may be people out there that are listening to you thinking, you know what, yeah, I, I, I'd like to read and study the Bible, but how do I go about that? What, what have you found that's been helpful? Yes, you? yeah, and that, that's a really good question because for, for some time in my Christian life, I kind of, I, I didn't really nail that and, uh, and, was, and was worse off for it. So I guess the first two things are... Um, as much as you can, get a time and get a place. There's no perfect time, there's no perfect place, but get a time that works for you. You know, as you read the scriptures, Jesus would often get up early in the morning. And so for me, I, I like doing that. It um, sets the tone for the rest of the day. So I've got a time, set my alarm, get up, have a cup of tea, give my wife a cup of tea in bed and then go and read my Bible. So I've, I've got that in the diary, I've kind of nailed that. I've got a place, I've got a small office at home so I know where to go. So I think get, get, get those two things in place. Then, then for a while I had those two things in place and then thinking, well, what do I do now? I've got the Bible in front of me, it's a big book, where do I start? And uh, so I, I like to mix it up. And so I've read the Bible through in one year 
I've done that before. You read about four chapters per year. I've used... Uh, four chapters a day. Four chapters a day, sorry. Yes, not a year. Four chapters a day, <laughs> yeah, good, good point. Uh, and, and there's an app that you can go yeah. through. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. Um, other times, like at the moment, I'm reading smaller chunks and I'm kind of, I'm reading it and rereading it and meditating over it. Um, sometimes I'll write notes, other times I won't. Uh, I've got a, an ESV, English Standard Version um, Bible, which has got a, a commentary in there as well, so I can look up some of the verses. So I, I, I try and mix it up. Uh, sometimes I'll just read, I'll read through, you know, the gospel. I'll read through Mark, for example, and just see the big picture of, of what God's saying and doing. So I, I, I like to mix it up. Sometimes I use the material from precepts that will just help me go through a particular topic or a particular book. Um, so I personally, I like to keep it fairly fresh, try something for a couple of months and then try a slightly different yeah. way of doing yeah, things. Wonderful. I love what you said though there, is about you have a regular time and a regular and a place where you go. Mm. And, and you know, that for people that can change over the years, yeah. you know, maybe they're for on sure. their own and then they get married and kids come along. Yes. And all of a sudden, oh my goodness me, the kids are off at five in the morning, there's no way I can do that. <laughs> so I guess having that flexibility as well. Yeah. Uh, but Jesus is, is our example. And as you say, he, yeah. he got up early before the sun rose and he would spend time with his father. Yeah. Um, I've shared this before on previous podcasts. Um, we live on a busy road and it, it's, it's, it's noisy. And so uh, when I left the army, I had these big uh, green ear defenders and I would put these ear defenders on to block out the noise mm. and sort of be in the zone, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I would encourage anybody listening um, to really take that seriously, to pray about what that place may be, pray about um, the time as well, mm. and make it a priority. You know, we make it a priority to eat, we make it a priority to brush our teeth, mm. Mm. Uh, don't we? Mm. And, and to really make it a priority, because it's about investing in a relationship, isn't it? It is, very much so, very much so. And at the same time, I also know that I'm under grace, and so, hey, if I slip in and I, just, I just can't get up, I don't want to make a regular habit of that. But if that happens, hey, God still loves me and we go again. Amen. Um, yeah. Amen. Now, um, you are preaching regularly. I'm guessing you're preaching regularly. Mm, um, how, right. how do you, just briefly, how do you go about doing that and preparing for, for your preaching? Because that, yeah. that's maybe different to routinely sort of reading through. You know, you're preparing a particular message. Yes. Um, on a, on a passage, how, how do you, how do you yeah. get about that? Well, it's a real privilege to, to preach. Um, I probably do about half the preaching in our church and the other half is kind of split up amongst other people. Um, but I'll take the passage and first and foremost, before I go anywhere near a commentary or any other books, I want to read the Bible. So I read it and I reread it and I reread it and I just read the passage and then I will often get different translations and read and read. Um, and then often I will print it out and I will scribble all over that bit of paper and I'll highlight words and underline words and see which words appear more than once and just really try and get the passage into my heart, as it were. And I'll, from that, I'll then start to jot a few points down. What does it say? What's, what, what did it mean to the original hearers or listeners? Uh, what are maybe some of the applications for us? And I just start to brainstorm that and just, it'll get quite messy and write things all over the bit of paper. And once I've got, I feel like I've got a grasp of the of the passage, I also read the bit before and the bit after to look at it in context. And I'll start to develop a plan. And then only then will I then go to some of the commentaries and see what they've got to say. And I want to check 
what I've thought, maybe versus what they've thought. But I don't want to go there too early because I ultimately want to get, I want to see what the Bible says for myself. Mm. Uh, and then from that, start to develop a, um, you know, whether it's three points and work those out. Mm. And I tend to do that. Um, and then I'll be, I'll be having prayed over it. I'll pray over it again. And God will give me things over the coming days and maybe drop some illustrations in. Uh, and then I'll start to type it up. Mm. And uh, I always pray for, pray for my preach again Saturday night, Sunday morning, just asking that, that God would use what I've got to say and that that would be helpful for people. Because yeah. ultimately I can prepare, but it's the Holy Spirit that changes. So, Amen. Um, Amen. I love yeah. what you said there about the time that you spend yourself in the Word. Mm. Listening, reading, mm. praying as you do that. Um, I think it was Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, was addressing some pastors once, uh, many years ago, obviously, and his, his um, advice for pastors was this. He said, listen, people in your congregation don't need to be hearing you just spout forth what the commentators have said. They can do that themselves. <laughs> yes, yes. They want what God has given you mm. out of the time that you have spent with him mm. and his spirit and his word. Yes, no, mm. abs- absolutely. And, and actually, ultimately, the person who benefits most from all of that is, is actually me. <laughs> and so in theory, what I'm doing is sharing what God has put in my heart and what I found by digging deep into the scriptures. You, as a preacher, you don't just want to be an echo of what someone else has said. Uh, you want to use those, and we're very blessed, like we said earlier, for those resources. But ultimately, you want to go to the source and see. And, and, and actually, that's a great greater benefit to me and also to those that are listening. Yeah. And I know, I know you, you're encouraging your people to do that. We were recently, interesting, at a conference, um, pastor's conference, and we asked the pastors there, um, what were the barriers, what were some of the difficulties that they found as pastors with uh, encouraging their members of their congregation to get into the Word of God for themselves? Mm. And these are some of the things they said. They said, one is people have no time, mm. it's a lack of time, they're so busy. Um, that um, we live in a non-book culture. Mm. You know, we live off iPads and iPhones and all that, and it's difficult to study the Bible on your iPad or your iPhone. Um, this was what somebody else said. They said, it's a vicar's job. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense. They said, uh, which version to use? There's so many different versions mm. uh, and just uh, confusion. And then uh, this is, was interesting, what they said about encouraging people to get into Bible study groups. Mm. Uh, they said there was a view that people thought that uh, those in Bible study groups are a little bit more spiritual than, than, than others. You know, I'm happy to go to church on Sunday, but to go to a Bible study group in midweek, then that's taking it a little bit too seriously. Um, and obviously, this was an interesting point they rose. They said um, there's a fear of not knowing enough or there being embarrassment being put under. You know, ask, ask questions mm. that perhaps everybody else in the group knows mm. and I don't know. So I'm not going to go to the group in case... They find me out, basically. Mm. Um, so how do you go about encouraging your mm. folks to, to get into the Word for, for themselves? I guess uh, your, your passion comes across as you're preaching and they mm. see that. Yeah, I, I guess first and foremost we try and model it in our preaching. We try and, um, you know, you don't have to make the Bible relevant. The Bible is relevant. You just have to sh- help people get, get to that place. Um, so hopefully by us explaining, preaching, teaching the Word of God, that inspires and helps people. The other thing, we do small groups where we essentially follow up what's been preached and we have some notes that help people to do that. 
uh, and we regularly encourage people and we you know we give away bibles to to guests mm. and we regu regularly recommend good books mm. that will help people mm. um the other thing i would say is is um it's helpful to try and redeem our time often we have a 10 minute here or 15 minute there and and, and maybe we just have our iPhone on us and, and, and maybe rather than checking Facebook for 10 minutes, we could just read. You know, you could read the book of Jonah in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So just trying to redeem the time. Like you said earlier, I think we've... we've I never forget to eat because uh, it's a priority to me. And uh, I guess we've got the time and God has allocated each of us the amount of time. And so it's helping people understand uh, and see that there, there is enough time to read God's word. Um, and, and help to see that there's grace to be able to do that and the Holy Spirit can help us do it and understand it. Mm. And, and there's such a breadth in the gospel that someone who's been a Christian 80 years is still discovering new, fresh insights and someone who's a young child can still be thrilled at who God is and what they've done. So there's a huge breadth. We'll never plumb the, the depths of the ocean, as it were, of, of his insight. Mm. And uh, it's a huge privilege to be, able to, to be able to do that. But it does involve a, a sense of discipline yeah. and uh, ordering our lives. Uh, but I do think that we, as the, as the Bible says, we, we reap what we sow and we want to sow mm. into um, understanding and, and hearing mm. God's word. Mm. You know, the Bible, God has got so much he wants to teach us, hasn't he? Mm. he? He knows what's coming around the corner. We don't, but he does. <laughs> and he wants to teach us from his word. He look, this... Things are going to be happening in your life and you're going, to, you're going to need to know this stuff because it's going to hold you firm and you're going to be able to stand firm. Yeah. And um, and we have choices in life, don't we? Yeah. And, and priorities. And, and as you say, we spend so much time doing stuff that yeah. maybe not the most valuable stuff. Yes, we've all got to do things. and, and uh, um, But I think you're right. We can, we can waste a lot of time, mm. can't we? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to invest in that relationship first and foremost for myself. But also, I know I'm a I'm a better, nicer human being if I've spent time with my Father in heaven. Uh, I'm better able to serve people, love people, help them, um, and so it's not just for me; it's for other people as well to invest in that relationship. Yeah, great. Now, um, you there are obviously 66 books in the Bible, mm. um, multitudes of characters in the Bible. Um, do you have a favourite uh, Bible book or, or character maybe that, mm. that you just think, you know what, yeah, he's, he's, he or she is, is the person. Do you, do you have yeah. that? Well, I, I, I love the book of Jonah. I, I love, in fact, we've called our oldest son Jonah. I, I love that he's got in the Bible. He was just a normal guy. If you know the story of Jonah, he, he was asked to do a, a task for God. He didn't want to do it, and so he ran the other way. <laughs> And, uh, and it's really a story of, of God pursuing him. And uh, he's just a normal guy. He is flawed. He's got problems. He's got anger issues. He's not obeying God. And yet God still pursues him and uses him incredibly. And um, for me, it's just a, a wonderful story of God's grace. And uh, someone that I can relate to in the, in the, in the Bible. And... Uh, Ultimately, a, a wonderful story of a whole city turning to God and really revival that happened in that city, a great city of Nineveh. And uh, so I, I love the book of Jonah. I've been inspired by it. And ultimately, Jonah points to the greater Jonah, which is Jesus. Mm. And I think in terms of reading the Bible, that is one of the keys, seeing that ultimately all roads lead to Christ. 
Uh, sometimes you have to do a bit of work to get there and work out what, what that looks like. But ultimately, um, Jesus is the greater Jonah. Mm. And uh, so you, you see um, just amazing grace in the book of Jonah. So There may be some people listening here who, um, who are actually running away as Jonah mm. ran away. Mm. You know, the word of the Lord came to him, as you said, and, uh, you know, Nineveh was northeast and he ran southwest in a completely yes. opposite direction. Yes. And there may be somebody listening thinking, well, actually, that's me right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm running away from God. I'm angry with him or whatever, whatever circumstances may be. What might you say to mm. those people? No, sure. Well, I guess first and foremost, reading the book of Jonah would be a good place to start. Um, this, this, I would also say this. There's no better place to be than the will of God. Uh, it doesn't mean it's always the easiest place, but often we can run away from, from God's will and, and what is best for us. I would say that God is a good father and he loves his children, so he wants the best for you. And while we're running away from him, that won't be the best for us. And there is always an opportunity to turn back. There's always an opportunity to repent and to turn back. And I would just encourage people to do that because God's plan, even though you can't always see it, will always be the better plan for mm. you. Mm. And uh, he will be pursuing you by his grace and just waiting for you to, to turn back to him. Mm. And you know, um, Nineveh is um, modern day Mosul and Mosul has been in the news a lot uh, over the last few years with what's been going on in Iraq. And um, the people, um, the people in the in the day of Jonah were not. Um, I mean, we read in, in the book of Nahum what they were like, mm. <clears throat> and um, they were vicious. They mm. were a cruel uh, nation, mm. and yet God sent a reluctant prophet to mm. these people mm. who were not pursuing Him, who mm. who who yeah. were evil and vile, and 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 that that is so challenging mm -hmm. it's almost like modern day isis yeah. fighters today yeah, sure. so if god were to say to us right i want you to go and preach the gospel to isis mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah you'll probably be fearing for your own safety yeah. uh and and you know considering running the opposite direction but that we get a sense of the heart of god yeah. in wanting to to reach out to these people it's incredible really yeah. isn't it yeah absolutely and and the sense that, that no one is beyond the love of god and um, and the fact that he would use not an angel but an ordinary, very ordinary guy in in the form of Jonah to ultimately do the will of God and be the messenger, and uh, I think I think that's usually encourage, encouraging to us. Yeah. yeah. And your do you do you have a favourite verse from from um, the Bible? Well, again, I would say it comes from the book of Jonah. Jonah three verse one says this. It says, "And the word of the Lord came to Jonah." A second time and our God is a God of second chances I guess most of us if we'd been God would have written Jonah off would have okay okay mate I've given you one chance there's plenty of other people I can use God was gracious and God gave him the same commission and this time Jonah responded and so God didn't give up on him and for me that verse talks of the grace of God it comes powerfully to Jonah and uh, and God hasn't finished with Jonah, and God uses Jonah amazingly, even in his imperfections. 
actually. And even even later on in chapter four, when Jonah's getting crossed with God, it's just incredible that this guy gets in the Bible and that God uses chooses to use normal people like Jonah and like me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, mm-hmm. I think is amazing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, um, for those of you that uh, may want to study the book of Jonah, we've actually got a couple of, of studies here. One is called Discovering the God of Second Chances. And uh, it's part of a study that we've got here at Precept, looking at the books of Jonah, Joel, Amos, and Obadiah. And we've also got another book, and I think your church has been uh, has, has looked at this, um, called Lord, Teach Me to Study the Bible in 28 Days. Great study, and you will study the whole book of Jonah uh, in that study, um, and looking at God's call on him, and just as Simon has been uh, explaining what, what happened as a result. So um, I just... Before we met, I was just sort of thinking and praying about this, and um, I just, um, I don't know, sensed, wanted to ask you this final question, really. Uh, do you, what, what would you say to those who are listening to this, who are not yet followers of Jesus, um, or those perhaps who are very, very discouraged with their walk and um, they're in a very difficult place. What mm. you say to them? Yeah. And I guess we've all gone through uh, times which have been difficult and I would say this, ultimately God is a is a father. He, he loves you, he's passionate for you, he's got plans, he's got purposes for you. And uh, again, I love the story in Luke 15 of, of the prodigal son who runs away from God uh, and yet the father is there running out to meet him and embrace him. And uh, I would say if you're, if you're struggling, there's a father who loves you. There's a father who's got good things for you. And uh, I believe today he wants to encourage you and draw you back to him. I think getting other Christians around you to help you, to speak truth into you can, can be ever so helpful. Um, and maybe for those that are they don't yet know, wouldn't necessarily count themselves as followers of Jesus as yet, I would say keep exploring the, the claims and teachings of Jesus. I dare say you've got loads of questions and there's lots of good courses, Alpha being one of them that can help you on that journey. And uh, But I would say read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Read it and get to know this incredible Jesus, this God-man who came to earth because he loved you to die for you, to rise again, to give you new life. And uh, that would be my, I guess, advice amongst all the different questions you might have. Look at Jesus, look at what he said, look at what he claimed, look at what he did. And, um, and, and, and maybe look at doing something like Alpha. Look at a local church and uh, Alpha is an opportunity to explore Christianity in a very non-threatening, easy way. And many, many people across the world have found that helpful. Simon, it's been a real pleasure and privilege to talk with you. Uh, Thank you for joining us today on this Precept uh, Bible and Me podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And um, Simon, I just want to pray for you. Thank uh, you. Father, we thank you for Simon and the work that he's doing. And I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless him, bless his ministry, bless this new church plant in Amesbury. And Lord, may your kingdom grow as a result. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Nigel. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Bible and Me podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, 
be sure to subscribe and leave a rating or review. If you want to find out more about Precept Ministries UK, visit www.precept.org.uk. Thank you.